Turn with me, please, to two openings this morning. Let's look at Second Peter, the uh, third chapter, Second Peter three, and Second Timothy two. In seeking the Lord about what to minister on today, and not just today, but you know how we do. We usually get on something and stay on it for weeks, sometimes months at a time, a central theme or, or truth or principle in the Word. And in praying about it, I actually was kind of thinking about going some different directions than the one we're looking at today, but I believe I'm impressed with the Lord to go this way. And of course, that's the way you ought to go. In Second Peter, the third chapter, and the ninth verse, Second Peter 3 and 9, it says, The Lord is not slack. How many could believe that before you read any further? <laughs> the Lord's not slack. But He's not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. You know, uh, the temptation is when things don't happen right away to begin to wonder or get discouraged. And the enemy will try to tempt you as God doesn't care and nothing is happening. And, and no, so many times when there's time and passage of time, it's the mercy of the Lord. Because the truth is folks are not ready for it. And things are not prepared. And if he came today, there'd be a lot of people lost. Is that right? How many know there are millions on the planet that are not ready for him to come? And so people scoff and mock at his coming and go, they've been saying he's going to come for centuries. Well, let's be glad that there's some time, right? He is coming. He is coming, and there's coming a time where that's going to be it. No more. He is long-suffering. Do you believe he's patient and long-suffering, merciful, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? Read that last phrase out loud with me, please. Not willing, not willing. that any should perish. Can we say... Absolutely, it's never God's will for anybody to perish. True or not? Well, now, that's contradictory with what a lot of church people believe. There's a whole lot of church-going people, good people in many ways, but they'll tell you that somehow or another, when this one was destroyed in this area or this one was destroyed with this thing, somehow it was God's plan. It was God's will. You know, we should accept the Bible. He's not willing. Somebody say, not willing. What does not willing mean? That's not his will. Are there people perishing? In different ways. Perishing physically, perishing mentally, perishing materially, perishing in their relationships. Is any of that the will of God? How do we know? He's not willing that any should perish. Everybody say it out loud. He's not willing. It's not his will that any should perish. 
But are some people perishing? Yeah. What does that show you then? It shows you that there are things happening on this planet that are not the will of God. Not the plan of God. Go through. Look at the scripture. See if it's right or not. Don't take my word for it or any preacher's word for it. Put your nose in this book. In order for something to be scriptural, do you know what you need for it? Scriptures. I know that's simple, but oh man, it's amazing. How many folks just make stuff up and say, the Bible says, the Bible teaches. And Christians who are ignorant of the word are so gullible and they just nod their head and go, yeah, sounds about right. Let's not be that way. He's not willing that any should perish. Well, how are we going to avoid perishing? But that all should come to repentance. Repentance is the way out. Repentance is the way to avoid perishing. Repentance. Somebody say repentance. Repentance with a lot of folks has kind of a bad rap. People hear repentance and they go, "Mm, okay, yeah, but let's talk about something fun. (laughs) Which is why I said I might have picked another topic, but this is it. I said, this is it this morning, and it's good. I said, it's good, it's exceedingly good. Tell me which is better, perishing or repenting? Hmm? (laughs) I think there's no question here. Repenting is so much better than perishing. Can you say amen? Go with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the second chapter. Don't assume you know all there is to know about this. Let's examine the scriptures. Let's examine what we believe. 2 Timothy, the second chapter. He said down in verse 23... 2.23, foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. There's a whole lot of uh, questions you ought not be laboring over. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to understand everything to believe what the Lord told you. And the enemy thrives on ignorance and darkness When people don't understand, that's where he's able to get in and and cause a lot of problems. It was a great relief to me the day I realized I don't have to answer all questions. Remember they came to Jesus one time and they said, but what authority do you do the things that you do? He had come in the temple and he turned over the money changers tables. He really caused an uproar in there. So they got their little group together and they met him and they challenged him. And they said, on whose authority are you doing this? He said, I got a question for you. I'm sure they thought, no, no, we asked first. You have to answer our question. Because they had uh, talked about this among themselves and they had this plan. Because they thought, if he says of God, we got an answer for this. If he says this, myself, of course, they got an answer for that. So they think they got him either way he goes. But they weren't expecting this. They said, by whose authority? On whose authority? They thought they were the authority. He didn't come ask them. And so he says, uh, I got a question for you. The baptism of John. 
Where was that from? God or man? And boy, that turned their little tables upside down. They, they looked at him and they thought, uh, what? What? No, no. Answer our question. He said, no. Answer mine. We need to learn how to do this with the enemy. When the enemy comes and tries to ask you something that you don't know and you don't understand, don't get embroiled in foolish and unlearned questions. Learn how to turn the tables and say, I got a question for you. No, no, you have to answer mine. No, I don't. I don't have to answer every question. I don't have to understand everything to be in faith and stay in faith, to have peace and joy and victory. And so they conferred among themselves and they said, we cannot tell. He said, I'm not telling you either. (laughs) Didn't he? Have you read it? (laughs) Should we deal with the enemy like this? Yeah. (laughs) I know the Spirit of God showed me this one time. The enemy was trying to harass me with some thoughts and things I didn't understand and things I I didn't know the answers why and that kind of thing. And the Spirit of God showed me that. He said, you don't have to try to figure all that out. Ask him a question. What's he going to do when the angel comes down with the chain to throw him in the pit? I thought, yeah. Yeah, I got sassy then. I thought, yeah, bad boy. What you going to do? Because that was what he was asking me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about that big pile of money that you're going to need? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Have you ever heard him say, what are you going to do? 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 Huh? I see knowing looks all across the crowd. You've heard this before. Do you have to answer all these questions? No. You can turn the table around and go, what are you going to do? You worried about me? I don't have any problems beside of you. I mean, if everything went upside down for me, if I didn't get my healing, if I didn't get my bills paid, if I fell dead here right now, I'm saved. Hey, my name's in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to be with Jesus. Besides you, I don't have any problems. What am I going to do? You worried about me? What are you going to do? Have you read the back of the book? It says your time is short. Short. And that was a long time ago when that was written. So it's got to be short, short, short now. Tick tock. Tick tock. What are you going to do? I read in here where the angel is going to come down with a big chain and get a hold of you and chain you up and throw you in the pit. What are you going to do? He won't hang around with that. He doesn't want to hear that. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Say that phrase out loud with me, repentance Repentance. to the acknowledging acknowledging. of the truth. Tell me what the truth will do for you. It'll make you free. Read the next verse. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Does that sound like they got free? And what was the key to their getting free? Repentance. 
was how they recovered. Let me read this to you from some other translations. The NIV says, The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. How many know kindness goes a long ways? The Bible said the sweetness of the lips increases learning. There's a whole lot of people that if you say it to them in a kinder way, they'll listen to it longer. If you say it short and too abrupt and too matter of fact and too hard, they'll cut you off before they hear the rest of it. Even if it's true, even if it's what they need, how it's said and communicated and presented makes a huge difference. Whether it's received or not. And that's what he's saying. Don't be quarrelsome. Don't be contentious. Do you know you can be strong without being hard? If somebody's trying to get you to do something that you shouldn't do. Or, or agree with something that's not right. You don't have to get mean. You don't have to get hard. You can just smile and go, no. <laughs> you mean you're not going to? No. I know I've had people more than once that thought they were swaying me. And they were explaining, they said, so you understand? I said, I think so. And they said, so, so, and so, and so, and so. I said, I understand. They said, so you agree? I said, no. <laughs> and they looked shocked. They're like, well, I thought you were. I said, I think I understand. That doesn't mean I agree. Doesn't mean that's what we're going to do. But you don't have to get all, your feathers all ruffled, do you? You have to start steaming and going, hmm, hmm, that's not right. That's not right. It's not right. And I'm not going to. And you can't make me. Why well, get all worked up? That shows you're insecure. That shows you're struggling with being strong yourself. No. It's a real witness to people. When you're just as calm as can be. Right? And kind. But unmoved. We talked about that Friday night, didn't we? Being unmoved. If you aren't with us. I know I preached it, but I recommend it. <laughs> Reminds me of my grandmother who's in heaven now. Really good cook. Oh, man. And, of course, back in her day, uh, there was no microwave. There was no instant anything. You started everything with flour, right? And so, uh, and I can see her to this day in front of the big pot that she'd have on her stove, and she'd be going, she'd go, Mm, that is good if I did make it myself. <laughs> well, the word is good. Amen. If I did preach it myself on that. So he said, you must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone. Somebody say, be kind to everyone. <laughs> Able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Everybody say, gently instruct. <laughs> In the hope that God will grant them Repentance. Now here is a concept I don't think a lot of folks have caught. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is a grant of the grace of God. That God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, verse 26, and that they will come to their senses. Through what? How are they going to come to their senses? Through this repentance that God gave them, that they'll come to their senses and escape 
from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. The living Bible says God's people must not be quarrelsome. They must be gentle, patient teachers of those who are wrong. Make up your mind. You're not going to be an arguer. You're not going to be contentious. Even if you do disagree, you can still be kind about it. Can't you? Can't you? Did I lose somebody? How many believe these scriptures are for all of us? So it should, we're not quarrelsome folks. We're not hard to get along with. Even if you don't agree with us, we're still nice. Right? Even if you don't believe, I know, I had a fellow one time, thank God this hasn't happened many times. But this fellow, after I preached one day, he actually followed me out of the place where I was speaking and down the hall and hollered at me. He said, I don't believe it. I don't believe a word of it. I don't like you. That's what he said. I turned around. I smiled. I said, you just don't know me. I said, if you knew me, you'd like me. I think that made him madder than ever. (laughs) But what I was doing was making a choice. He was being real ugly. But do I have to get all worked up with him? Do I have to? I know people do. But do I have to? I don't have to. You'll be tempted to. You can feel like it. But you don't have to. God's people shouldn't be quarrelsome. They should be gentle. Patient. Teachers of those who are wrong. Verse 25. Be humble when you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. Say it out loud. Be humble. When you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. What you don't do is say, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Sit down. I'm going to tell you how it is. Husbands and wives. Let me give you a revelation. (laughs) A whole lot of things would go a completely different direction and turn out completely differently if you asked instead of told. I'm going to go over to these folks over here and see how they like that. (laughs) Husbands and wives, I'm talking to you. Everybody awake? You got your ears up? A whole lot of things would turn out so differently, so much better, so much nicer, easier, if you would what? Ask. Ask instead of tell. Even if you are so sure that you are sure. What does it hurt to ask? It's a way of being kind, isn't it? If you can say, that thing, what about this? Is it like this? Instead of saying, I've told you 30 times already. Okay? It's this. (laughs) Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. Well, we're having fun this morning, aren't we? Is there a difference between asking and telling? I've noticed this with people. People that are mixed up about the truth. A lot of times in the course of talking with them, they've been out of shape about it. They're approaching me already adamant. And if you check your heart and ask the Lord to help you, he'll show you a question to ask. You remember that young man that Phyllis, you got through reading about? He was so mad about that series. 
almost shut me off before we got to point two. But the Lord helped him to listen a little while longer. He said, I asked a question. Did you hear that? And I know I didn't think this up. The Lord gave me that question. Some of my questions on my notes, some of those statements, I put them in red because I know I didn't come up with them. I know the Lord gave them to me. And the question was, if God is in control of everything, can there be an if or there can be no if? And when he saw that, it opened him up. Because he couldn't answer that question. So don't be quarrelsome. Don't be pushy. Be gentle. Be kind. Not resentful. Let's keep reading. Be humble when you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. If you talk meekly and courteously to them, they're more likely with God's help to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what is true. I've had people sometimes that disagreed with me adamantly about something. But I wasn't mean with them and I wasn't hard with them. So they kept coming back. They said, well, yeah, but what about so-and-so? I said, well, I had that question too. And uh, the Lord helped me to see this. And, and this is where I got my answer. And they said, hmm, I don't know if I agree with that. I said, I understand. <laughs> sometimes a week later they come back, well, what about this? <laughs> and the same kind of thing. I said, well. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I had that same question too. And this is where the Lord helped me with this. They said, well, I don't know that I interpret that scripture that way. I said, I understand. And sometimes over a course of even weeks and months, they came all the way around. You know, nobody likes admitting you know something they don't. Especially your kinfolks. So you don't want to come across, you don't want to start off with, I'm right, you're wrong, admit it. (laughs) They'll try to invent reasons for the next 10 years why you're wrong. Just make it up as they go along if they have to. So if you talk meekly and courteously to them, they're more likely with God's help to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what is true. Then they will come to their senses and escape from Satan's trap of slavery to sin, which he uses to catch them whenever he likes, and then they can begin doing the will of God. What got them out of this trap? Repentance, which was a gift from God. Friend, you can pray this over your friends, your co-workers, your relatives that are in darkness, that are in the bonds of sin and habits and addictions and whatever. How are they going to get free? Repent and acknowledge the truth. And if you receive and believe the truth and do the truth, the truth will make you free. But before that's going to happen, if they're trying to convince you that it's right and it's okay and they're still doing that, they're never going to get free. Because the truth is, it's not right. And it's not okay. They're not free to do it. They're in bondage to it. I know uh, one of these things we were talking about just a few minutes ago, some years ago, I was watching a TV interview, internationally known show, and there was a preacher that they were interviewing. Good guy. I like him a, a bunch. But I don't agree with what he said on this response to it, and I don't think he saw it. I didn't see it till the Lord showed me. But the guy was saying they were talking about 
different kinds of the ways people believe and they live. And this commentator, who doesn't claim to be Christian, this interviewer, he said to this well-known preacher, he said, well, you know, uh, Jesus preached love and acceptance. And the preacher said, yeah, of course. And everybody on the panel said, of course. And when they said that, the Spirit of God inside me said, no, I didn't. I don't mean I heard a voice, but is the Spirit of God inside us or not? He spoke to my heart. No, I didn't. I knew something was wrong with that statement. I didn't know what was wrong. But it's one of those things that we're just talking about that somebody said it and it sounded good. And after saying it and believing it for decades and even centuries, everybody's convinced it's the Bible. So when that came up in my spirit, no, I didn't. I thought, well, I need to check this out. So I put my nose in the book again. And you know it's true. That's not what he preached. You know what he preached? (laughs) Mark 1 and 14, just put this up on the screen, and there's several verses like this. Mark 1, 14 says, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching what? The gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. He preached The good news about the kingdom of God. Now this is not just one place you'll find this. You'll find this numerous places. Verse 15. Saying the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Do what? Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus preached. And that's what his 12 disciples. And then the 70 preached. He preached repent. And believe. That's different from love and acceptance. Particularly acceptance. There's a very big difference between repent or accept it. Isn't it? And people say, well, if you love me, you just have to accept me the way I am. And usually what they're talking about is their sin. You have to accept my sin that it's okay. We can love you without ever accepting your sin. You shouldn't accept your sin. You should repent. Right? So no, Jesus didn't. He showed mercy. He showed love. He preached repentance and the kingdom of God. Repentance and believing the good news about the kingdom of God. Repentance is one of the most powerful things you could ever talk about. It is the way back. It is the way out. Let me give you some definitions of repentance. You excited about repentance so far? Well, if you're not, hold on. You'll get there. What is repentance? There's uh, four main words in the New Testament that are translated repent. Repentance, repenting. And let me give you the definitions of them. One means to care afterwards. To care afterwards. And can include the idea of regret. Another one means to uh, think differently or afterwards or to reconsider. To think differently after the fact to reconsider another one means compunction 
compunction to change one's mind or purpose is a definition. And uh, one of the words, actually all these words are connected to the root word that's translated our word metamorphosis, which means to change. And that's, that's my favorite because all the things we described are change, right? To change. Everybody say change. change. And so basically, repent means to change. Now, like a lot of things, I think some folks have been oversimplistic in their definitions. People say, well, it just means to change your mind. It means more than that. I said it means more than that. It includes that. But like a whole lot of things, like all of these truths, you don't just take an abstract definition of something and let that be the end of it. Ever. Ever. You never take a definition and go, that's it, I got it. Oh, no, no, no. It's not about theory. It's about reality. And so Hebrews 11 is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Anybody know what Hebrews 11 is? It's the great faith chapter. Isn't it? How does it start off? Anybody remember Hebrews 11.1? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That is a definition. Faith is. This is what it is. But the rest of the chapter is not dealing with the abstract. It's showing you example after example after example of what faith said, what faith did, how faith reacted, how faith responded, right? Never take an abstract definition of something and say, I got it. You know, grace is unmerited favor. Got it. Faith is substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Got it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Repentance is changing your mind. No, no, no. You've barely begun to scratch the surface. It's not a technical understanding. It's an experiential understanding. It's not a concept. It's something you live. Something you do. But to me, the practice of it is summed up in that one word. Change. Somebody say change. Change. But it's much more than just changing your mind. It involves the idea of turning from sin, turning to God. It includes the idea of feeling remorse. Now, some people want to oppose that, but we're going to prove it to you from New Testament scriptures that that's part of it. Repentance is realization. Repentance gets you ready. You remember John Baptist's ministry? That was his whole ministry was to get people ready for Jesus coming, right? And what did he preach? Repent and be baptized, right? For why? Because if they hadn't hadn't changed the way they were seeing things and the way they were believing and the way they were doing, they would not have been ready. Even as it was, a lot of them were not ready when he came. And he came into his own and they didn't receive him. But a few of them were ready. Which is something that the Lord is doing with us right now. He's getting us ready. I said he's getting us ready. This is exciting. I said this is very exciting. He's getting us ready. Why? We need to make some adjustments. We need to make some changes. We need to make some, do some repenting. Now when you hear that word, don't immediately think, hmm, 
Can't we talk about something happier? (laughs) Not missing God is happy. Not perishing is happy. Being ready for what God's doing is very happy. Right? Repentance is a gift. A gift from the grace of God. Repentance allows recovery. Isn't that what happened with them? When it said if God would grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That they could do what? They could recover themselves. You repent. You don't even need anybody to pray for you. You can get free without any other assistance. Can you see this? Just by repenting. Oh, the power of the grace gift of repentance. No matter how the enemy's had somebody balled up, no matter how he's had them entwined and confused and and in bondage, he could have worked on getting bondage enforced in their life for decades. And if they would genuinely humble their heart and come before the Lord and say, Lord, this is wrong. What I've been saying and doing and trying to make out like it's all right, it's not right. It's wrong. What you said is true. And I acknowledge it. And I repent. And I don't want this anymore. And I want what you said. That act in genuine faith will let the power of God come into that person's life. Do you believe that? And shatter every yoke and every bondage and set them free. Repentance is a powerful thing. Somebody say powerful thing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go with me to Matthew, the 21st chapter, please. Matthew 21. And let's look at a picture of repentance. Matthew 21 and verse 28. Jesus said, Matthew 21, 28. He said, what do you think? He's asking them a question, isn't he? Do you suppose Jesus was kind? Talking to people. Not weak, but kind. What do you think, he said? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. Keep going. He answered and said, I will not. I ain't going. But what happened? Afterward, he did what? He repented. That means he just had a change of mind. No, he had a change of gears. Right? His mind did change, but it was much more than a mind change. It was a heart change. It was a believing change. It was a doing change. It was a plan change. You'll find this phrase, do works meet for repentance in the scripture. Maybe we'll talk about it at some point. But basically it's saying, let your actions show you've repented. Let your deeds reveal that you've changed. And if there are no changes in your deeds, your doings, then there was no change in your heart. It's just talk. Did you know you can go to the altar and cry and feel bad for an hour and never repent? Did you know that? Because repenting is not just crying and feeling bad. Tell me what repenting is. Change. Changing. If nothing changed, nobody repented. 
And the biggest change is always in the heart. And that's where God looks. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. And he's not just looking at your head. He's looking at your heart. So repentance has got to be a lot more than just a change of mind. It's a change of heart. Can your heart change? It can. And when your heart changes and you repent and acknowledge the truth, turn away from the wrong to the good, mighty things can happen in your life. The Lord gave me this phrase. When you repent, the devil loses his grip. When you repent, he loses his grip. He loses his hold. Isn't that what our text said? If they acknowledge the truth and repent, they recover themselves out of the snare, out of the trap. But what if you won't repent? What if you're hard-headed? What if you're stubborn? Nobody can talk to you. You won't change. Now, I'm going to say this is a very strong thing I'm about to say. But don't just take my word for it. Let's look at the scriptures. I believe it will unfold in time. If you refuse to repent, you can get in a place where God himself can't help you. Now, that's about as bad a place as anybody could ever be. Right? I don't think you could be in a worse place. What could get you in that place? Refusing to repent. And I am talking about people of God. Talking about children of God. Now Matthew 21. He said. Uh, Go uh, work in my vineyard. And he said. Uh, no. I'm not going to do it. But afterward. What happened to him? He had a change. Of heart. Change of mind. Changed what he was saying. Changed what he did. Changed his plan. Somebody say he changed. He changed. He changed. And he went. He came to his second boy and he said uh, same thing. He said go work in my vineyard. And he said sir yes sir. I'm going right away. As soon as I get through here. I'm going to go. And what did he do? He never went. So he's all talk. You know there's a lot of folks that's all talk. Oh man. They will talk, 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 talk. Take up your day. But when it comes time to do something, they got to go home. They got to find somebody else to talk to. Because <laughs> they don't really want to do anything. They just want to talk. It's like Phyllis's dad. We were finishing out one of the buildings, this first building we had there in Branson years ago. And uh, we were finishing out some of the office space and stuff. And I came by and his name is Bill. And just some kind of handwritten scribble thing on the door said, Bill's office. And I found him. He's a character. I said, what is this? Bill's office. I said, you want a job? He said, oh, no. I just want a title. (laughs) I don't want a job. I don't want to do anything. I just want an office. (laughs) Well, there's a whole lot of folks. They wouldn't say it, but that's the truth. That's what they want. They don't want to do anything. They just want to talk and a title. He came to the second. And he said, I go and went not. Whether of them two did the will of their father? Which one pleased God? The one who said in the beginning, I'm not going to do it. Did you know it's not just what you do. It's what you do last. It's not just what you say and what you feel. 
It's how you respond in the end. You can start out terrible. But if you'll repent. You can wind up better shape than somebody that started out good. <laughs> you can You can start out hard headed. Mean. Carnal. But wind up in better shape. Pleasing God better than somebody started out goody goody. Because they were taught and wouldn't do. But you repented. You started out wrong, but you got it together. You got it right. You were willing to change. Somebody say willing to change. Say it again. Willing to change. Willing to change. Man, this is so big in in being used of God and being blessed of God. You've got to stay flexible. You've got to show some humility that you know you don't know everything. You know you're not right about everything. Uh, How could you be? You don't know everything. And it's the stuff you don't know about that could cause you to be wrong. And uh, I like, you know, Peter, he stuck his foot in his mouth numerous times. But there's a quality that I believe made him really usable and redeem, uh, redeeming quality of the Lord. You remember that one occasion the Lord came and was washing their feet? You remember that? And he got to Peter and Peter said, no way, no how. You are never washing my feet, Lord. And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. What did he say? Well, then give me a bath. You wash my head, my hands, right? Is that change? Isn't that a picture of change? He was so adamant, but just like that, he's like, okay, no, if that's how it is, then I need a bath. Do you need to be that way? Oh, friends. Oh, friends, I, I know this sounds simple, but having been in the ministry now for a few years, Phyllis and I have seen this over and over. I'm thinking of a person right now that the Lord did so many great things for and helped them out. And then one day they came to a point and they looked Phyllis and me in the face and said, I'm not going to do it. I don't care what you say. And, and my heart just went out to my thought, don't do this. It's not about us. It's about God's plan for your life. And, and sure enough, They didn't do it, and it cost them. Oh, man, it cost them. Did you hear that phrase I mentioned a while back? If you won't repent, what can happen to you? You can get into a place where God himself can't help you. He could easily help you if you'd repent. But if you won't, you cut yourself off from the grace of God. How many can see repentance is a gift? Can you see this? It's a gift. I've seen some other folks. And these are the people that you use. These are the people that learn, that grow, that get promoted. I mean, you don't want somebody that's just bland and got no fire. You want somebody that's got some strength, that's got some fire. But the guys, the men and women that we've used, that have come up through the ranks, that have been promoted, they're the ones that when they came up and said, well, I don't think I'm going to do that. But then, you know, they, they said the wrong thing. But the next morning they came back and said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. What what do we need to do here? I'll get this right. God can use a man like that. God can use a woman like that, right? Now, maybe you might say something dumb or respond wrong, but what this guy did, he said, I'm not going. That's rebellion. That's disrespect. But he repented. He changed and wound up pleasing the Father so much better than the guy that started out talking so good. Hmm, can you see that? That's why I say sometimes, give me a sinner who knows they're a sinner, right? And is honest about it. 
any day over a bunch of jive talking. You know what I mean? I'm a child of the 70s, so you can understand that. A jive talking, you know, junk talking Christian. There's people, Christian churchgoers, they've learned how to say all the right stuff. But when it comes down to doing something, they're not going to do it. And they believe in hearing from God, but they believe they're the only ones who can. And so, you know, when it comes time to do it, there's no response. There's, there's no change. Do you have to be willing to change, everybody? Have to be willing to repent. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your mouth. Change of deeds. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you come back? I sure hope so, because we just got this started right now. In fact, just stand up on your feet. Just stand up on your feet. That's plenty to think about for right now. Thanks be unto God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just close our eyes and come before the Lord in our hearts. He's good. He's already done everything that needs to be done. Pay for our sins and mistakes. But we must receive that. We must walk in the light of it. Said out loud because you mean it in your heart. Father God, you are always right. Your word is always true. Never wrong, never fails. Anytime I have thought differently, I'm the one that's wrong. You're always right. I'm willing. By your grace to change how I think, how I feel, what I say, what I do. I say not my will, but your will be done. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.